Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of thewolfpacker.com and co-host Matt Carter. We're also joined by fellow co-host, returning for his second appearance on the Wolfpacker Podcast, Matt Coe. College basketball, what, what was the term you used earlier, Matt Coe? Uh, super fan on steroids? Super fan on steroids. This is the perfect time for college basketball. Uh, conference plays heating up. We got March right around the corner. This is the best time to be a college basketball fan. Well, college football's over. Super Bowl's three weeks away. So we're getting to that time where college basketball takes over the country. And looks like NC State's, you know, maybe picking a good time to turn its season around. Four, or excuse me, three and six right now, heading into a game at Notre Dame upcoming tomorrow Uh, but before we get into the latest and greatest in Wolfpack basketball and what's to come for the NC State men and maybe we'll talk about the women a little bit here too after that big win over Louisville the other day uh, let's uh, start with some household chores please subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to us Uh, Apple Spotify Google Play everywhere you listen to podcasts we're there so please subscribe and uh, also please subscribe to our YouTube channel Uh, we post all of our podcast to our YouTube channel. We also post all the post-game press conferences, anytime there's availability with players or coaches, uh, recruiting highlights, all that great stuff. If it, here's here's a little teaser. Terquavion Smith has been playing so well recently. You would have known what you were getting in Terquavion Smith had you subscribed to the Wolfpacker YouTube channel because we posted all of his scouting videos on the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. You would have seen Terquavion dropping buckets before he started doing it here in Raleigh. So good reason to go subscribe to the channel. And while you're at it, give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. You can follow us on social media at the Wolfpackers, our main account. I'm Justin H. Will, at Justin H. Will. And Matt Coe, it's at Matt Coe. Is that right? At underscore Matt Coe. At underscore Matt Coe. Won't have to ask again. At underscore Matt Coe. (laughs) Give it a third mention because I butchered it. Uh, And last (laughs) reminder, head over to thewolfpacker.com. Use a great deal that's going on right now. For just $1, you get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network, which includes all of the great work going on at thewolfpacker.com. If you call yourself an NC State fan, you are a member of thewolfpacker.com. So if you aren't and you don't want to be accused of being a fake NC State fan, you better go over to thewolfpacker.com right now, pull out your wallet, pay a dollar, and you're set for the next year. All right. The two mats. I'd, I'd like to start this by saying, Matt Coe, I think I'm going to start referring you to you as Coe, because when I say Matt Carter, Matt Coe, it sounds too technical. I'm so used to calling Matt Carter Matt. So it's, it's nothing yeah. personal to you as the newbie. I'm going to call you <laughs> Coe, which by the way, hey. I think it's cooler to be referred to by your last name than your first name anyways. Hey, look, it sounds good to me. I'm just happy to be here to talk some NC State sports. Y'all can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me a Tar Heel fan, and we'll be all good. (laughs) Well, that leads me to my first question. Maybe we can get this conversation started. As I mentioned, NC State 3-6 and in conference play thus far, coming off a big win over Virginia at home. NC State is now 10-10 and overall on the season. Of course, that's not necessarily the ideal record that you'd hope for in September and October as an NC State fan. However, you look around the ACC and, well, the rest of this conference is struggling tremendously as well. And, uh, you know, you look how NC State's playing recently. You look at how the rest of the league's playing. 
there's no longer a game left on NC State's schedule that the Wolfpack cannot win. And if you'll take a look at the bubble, it's not very strong. Um, so here, here's the question I'm going to ask the two Matts. I'm going to throw it to Matt, Matt Carter first, because, well, <laughs> he hasn't talked yet. So we'd love to hear his voice. Um, but he told me he had, a hot, he had a hot take before this podcast started. So I, I'm interested to hear if it'll come out here. My question to you both, Matts, is throw your bias aside right now. Would you rather be a fan of NC State basketball or UNC basketball right now? Today is January 25th. UNC is coming off, what, a couple disappointing losses. They don't have a quad one win yet. They're just, they've got this perception as kind of just being a soft-willed team. Whereas on the opposite, you look at NC State, and while NC State, you know, has been the underdog all year, has not gotten the respect, has faced adversity almost at every corner, the one thing that almost everyone would agree on about the Wolfpack is that it is a tough team, and that team is going to compete night in, night out. It's not going to be an easy out for any team in the country. So, Matt Carter, I'm throwing it to you. Throw your bias aside. Throw your degree out the window. Throw the fact that you've been an NC State beat reporter, beat reporter for the past 20 years out the window. Would you rather be a fan of NC State basketball right now or UNC basketball? Well, that's hard because you're asking me to throw out an awful lot that's hard to throw out there uh, to look at it objectively. you got to remember, I'm an NC State alum too, so I have certain feelings about uh, the differences between the two schools here. Um, yeah, I think I, in terms of expectations, this is going to sound crazy, and I'm sure my bias is coming through tremendously right now. Obviously, UNC is in a far better shape when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I do not think they are an NCAA tournament team right now. Uh, uh, Matt Coe maybe, maybe doesn't know this, but Justin does. And, yeah, I'm a bracketologist. Um, it's not hard. It really is not a hard science. I mean, uh, you know, people act like it takes some kind of expertise to do it. It just takes a little bit of time of sitting down and, sorting through all the team records and going through the team sheets and UNC is 0 and 6 against quad one and that that's not going to get it done recall NC State's quad one record when they missed the NCAA tournament that year uh that alongside the the uh non-conference strength of schedule did them in so you know UNC was supposed to be an NCAA tournament team uh, NC State were not necessarily supposed to be an NCAA tournament team. So I, I kind of wonder if the frustration level is higher with UNC, especially when your arch nemesis is clearly the class of the ACC and a legitimate national title contender if it all comes together for them in Duke. Um, you know, there's certainly frustration with NC State, but you, you also have to admire the fact that you know you're getting a good effort every game out. Um, you know you're getting, a, for the most part, you've gotten a good effort every game out. Once you accept the shortcomings of the team, which are there, they're very streaky at best shooting the basketball. It's generally not a good shooting team. They don't have low post offense. They don't have low post depth. They really only get right now, I mean, you're hoping that Jalen Gibson can kind of give you five solid minutes. Um, 
Yeah, that's three pretty big weaknesses staring you right in the face. And so you have once you acknowledge that, you sit back and say, look, this, this team is they're not quitting. They're playing hard. And that just truthfully, the hot take I had was I wouldn't be surprised if NC State's about to go on a nice run. I'm not saying they're going to an NCAA tournament. So I don't want people to say, ah, oh, look at crazy Matt Carter over there being a an NC State homer, trying to drum up the interest, yada, yada, yada. But the February schedule is much nicer to NC State. I don't think we appreciated the fact that they had to play at Miami. They had to play at Duke. They played Virginia Tech, although they're a big disappointment, twice. Um, yeah, they hadn't gotten to the Pittsburghs and the Georgia Techs and the Boston College of the ACC yet. Uh, that's about to come up. So, and they also get some of these games at home. You know, UNC and Wake Forest, they get at home. Not that home has been a great home court advantage this year, but you hope that maybe changes during the back half of this season. Uh, so, I think that we may be starting to see a pretty decent starting five for him with Casey Marcel development. If his last two games is indicative of where he's going now that the ankle is healthy, I actually think NC State has a pretty good starting five in this year's ACC to compete. It doesn't have depth, but sometimes you don't need depth. Um, and if they make shots, they can, be, they can beat anybody left on the schedule. So that was kind of my hot take. I think it would not surprise me if NC State's about to go on a nice, a nice little run here. Maybe have a winning record in February and surprise people with where they end up finishing in the ACC, which is, you know, I know a lot of entry state fans think they'll be lucky to finish above 13th or something like that in the ACC. And I'm saying, don't be surprised if they sneak up into that middle range of the conference by the time the season's over. All right. And uh, now, put my bias back in, back into play here. Yes, I would rather be an NC State fan any day of the week over over you and you fan. So. Well, thank you for the thank you for the long winded answer. Um, yeah, I'm trying. And and thank you for throwing out your hot take. I want to hear Coe's perspective here because he's he's a college hoops guru. He's not just watching NC State. He's watching around the ACC. Just in terms of the product on the court, which do you prefer? Well, I'll try to keep it short. Definitely NC State, 100%. At least we're not kidding ourselves that we're a for sure tournament team like some Carolina fans might be doing right now. Matt Carter hit the nail on the head. UNC is not a tournament team right now. They weren't a tournament team a week ago or the week before that. They have no significant wins. They're getting blown out every other week. They would have to sweep Duke and still would be on the bubble for me. There's just not enough good wins in the ACC really for anybody. So you just have to finish with a decent record. And and to Matt's point, NC State does have a chance of finishing with a decent record because Matt Carter, we we've talked about this, you know, on our car rides to uh, to PNC. Like the February schedule does look really good. It does. Can NC State capitalize on that? We'll see. But it, it does. It's a lot more favorable than we've seen this past month and a half, give or take. But the answer is easy. It's NC State. It's always NC State. It's always going to be NC State. Fair enough. I, I think. Um... 
I think it might be a little tougher to ask you to remove the bias at this point in your young media career. You will get there. I will say, I, now listen, uh, I would, as much as I'd love to be the villain here and say, you know, I'd, I'd pick North Carolina. If, if you're talking about, if I had a futures ticket on both teams and I'm picking which team is going to make the NCAA tournament, I think I'd still prefer to have the UNC ticket. But that wasn't really the gist of the question. The gist of the question was, which would you rather be a fan of? And to me, as a fan, what are the main things you want on your team? The, the number one thing is that you want your team to compete night in, night out, and you want it to give a good effort. And I think if that's the first objective, NC State clearly checks that box much more than the counterparts wearing the light blue over Chapel Hill would at the moment. Now, that could change. UNC could turn a corner here. I will say, Co. The bias was shown when you said Carolina sweeps Duke. They're not in. Brother, if they sweep Duke, <laughs> you can lock them in pen and ink, man. They're, gonna, they're, I, I, not, they're not even on the bubble. I'd say it's that of so any weird. ACC team. It, it's, it's so weird. Duke and Carolina, I mean, as you know, they're just so evenly matched. It's, it's like you expect both of them to take a game, not because one is better than the other. It's just that's just how that rivalry is and always has been. So it's weird to, you know, grade those wins or, or losses because we've seen you know a couple years ago that that terrible carolina team take duke to uh did they take them to up to the the last couple of seconds where uh who was it that had wendell moore he hit that that little uh layup uh to, to win the game so it's just it's just part of that that rivalry i mean look if you sweep duke that that is great for sure but you know miami beat duke in Duke, which in my opinion is the best win out of any team in all of college basketball. And I mean, they were still in bracketology and Joe Lenardi's crazy world, uh, an 11 seed. And, and he's got Carolina eight seed. I just, if we're, if we're going to talk bias that, that we can save that for another episode, but I just personally, I just don't see how Carolina gets enough wins because beating Duke would be obviously your best win. But after that, you really don't have a good win i mean they, they don't they, they have not beaten anybody you beat michigan who yeah was good to start you know before the season but now they're sitting at what nine and seven nine and eight like they're terrible uh so where are the good wins going to come from you'd have to take a deep acc tournament run which maybe they can you know you can't uh, count the tar heels out but right now i mean i don't even see how they if they were to make the tournament crack a 10 seed well we're gonna find out uh, you know, that that, e that question will be a lot easier to answer here in a few days. Uh, NC State's going to face Carolina in the Dean Dome this upcoming Saturday. But before the Wolfpack goes up to Chapel Hill, it's going to have to make a stop in South Bend to play a competitive fighting Irish team who is trending towards the top of the ACC right now. Um, two tough games coming up before, as I've heard both of you mention, the schedule lightens up tremendously in February. I'm looking right now at, at NC State's Ken Palm profile. NC State is projected to have a 4-3 record in the month of February. That, that would include home wins over Syracuse and Boston College and road wins over Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. Uh, the last three I mentioned trending definitely towards the bottom of the ACC. I think it would be fair to say that Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Boston College, probably a firm bottom three tier of the ACC. But uh, Matt, I kind of want to explore your point a little bit more because I'm with you in the sense that this is setting up for 
NC State to potentially go on a run here. Ken Palm projects NC State to lose both the Notre Dame and the UNC game on the road. Part of that's because both of the games are on the road. Part of that's because the analytics suggest that both of those other teams are better on paper. But as we know from watching college basketball this year, uh, Ken Palm is not a d definite pr uh, prediction of what is going to happen on the court. And if you've watched any NC State basketball this year, I mean, if I had the opportunity to take a bet 50 to 50 odds that NC State's going to win at least one of these games, I would take it in a heartbeat right now because that's NC State's just the up and down in terms of results, but you know what you're going to get every single night. And you look at NC State's ACC resume, there's only one game that the Wolfpack wasn't really competitive in. It was the road game at Duke. There's not a lot of teams in the conference that can say they could go up to Cameron and compete with the Blue Devils this year. So, Matt, if NC State can win one of these games, potentially they turn into two if NC State can go up to South Bend. I know you mentioned before the podcast, it's kind of a can you build some confidence before you go to Chapel Hill type game. You look at this February schedule, I know I would have, if I would have thought I would be saying this in late January back in, in late November, I would have called myself crazy. I would have said, don't fall for it. But I think there's a real possibility here that some point in February, NC State's going to get into the bubble conversation. I'm not saying that it's going to build into a bid. You know, Kim Palm projects that NC State is an 8-12 ACC record when it's all said and done. But let's say three of those games flip and NC State, you know, holds court in the games that they're supposed to win. You know, NC State's an 11-9 and team going into the ACC tournament. I would say they're definitely on the bubble this year. Would you, would you agree with that? You have to see how the bubble shapes up. You'd have to see uh, what some other teams do. I mean, that's hard to predict you know, at the end of January because you might say, hey, go beat Notre Dame and UNC on the road. As of right now, those are quad one games. But what if Notre Dame tanks? Didn't they tank last year? Weren't they doing well and then all of a sudden they just stunk it up the rest of the season? Yeah. Um, so that could happen and then all of a sudden that win carries no weight anymore. So that's tricky given the nature of the ACC too. I wouldn't count on it. But there's a, there, there is a path towards that being a possibility. That's what I, I would say. But I would say baby step at a time too, right? Start with winning a game at Notre Dame and uh, or at North Carolina. I would also argue, too, since January, I don't think NC State played, you know, they're, they were 3-3 three and three in their last six games. At the end of Virginia, the half of the Virginia Tech game, I don't think they played that poorly in a lot of games. Maybe the Clemson game they played poorly. I didn't think they played bad. Clemson has an ability to bring you down to their level, though. That's yeah, true. That's true. I didn't think they played bad in Durham. I just thought Duke played very, very well. Um, um, and then I, I thought I agree they played, with that. Yeah, they played tremendously well. I thought at Louisville, they played tremendously well against Virginia. I mean, that was a record-setting performance. I know Cole had the numbers that he can bring out here in a second of the uh, maybe the statistical anomaly of that game. But that's weird that NC State became the second team ever against Tony Bennett at Virginia to shoot 60% in a game against. And the other team being last year, Gonzaga. That's it, crazy. That this NC State team, the worst shooting team in 30 years at NC State, joined last year Gonzaga team at the only two teams to hit 60% of their shots against Tony Bennett, Coach Virginia. But 
I go back to what I said earlier. I think the starting five may be good enough in that February schedule. Why I think this is kind of an important week. If you could pull off a road win or two, you then get three straight home games against Syracuse, Notre Dame, and Wake Forest. Wake has been very good this year, um, obviously. I'm still not 100% sure how good they are, but potential there to create some excitement. How about that? I won't go as far as to say, hey, maybe they're the path to the bubble. They dug themselves a tremendously deep hole that may be impossible to get out of, but at least to get some excitement back, you know, in February, which is something you couldn't have said, you know, about a month ago. So we'll see how it plays out. But I know Cole got some some numbers there to suggest that uh, don't get too excited, right? Yeah, I uh, you know it's actually I want to build off here when you said the, the highest shooting team since that Gonzaga team. This is so fitting for NC State basketball. I, I am really young, and I, I've seen my fair share of just weird NC State basketball moments, and I think that that was just. I, I tweeted out. I said, what am I watching? Like, I didn't know. It looked like the damn Golden State Warriors out there. I don't know. But, look, that game was such an anomaly. It, it was great. It was fun. Good win. It was against a good defense. But let's be real. Like, let's not get too caught up in the moment. Uh, this is a team that is shooting right now 197th um, three-point field goal percentage in the NCAA at 334 They've had games as low as 17.1% from the three against Nebraska. They haven't shot over 48% all season long. And against UVA, they shot 50, 54.5. Um, and, and on top of that, just to, to really you know beat a dead horse, we more than doubled <laughs> their points in the paint. So when's the last time NC, this NC State team has done that to anybody or even kept it really that close? That game was fun, but it was a lot of moonshots that just happened to go in. Jericho Hellams was probably one of his best shooting performances uh, as an NC State Wolfbacker. I mean, the guy was hitting anything and everything. Now, what I'm worried about with this upcoming game against Notre Dame is I wonder if we left it all on the court against Virginia and we didn't leave any for the Fighting Irish. Uh, Notre Dame let the opponent shoot 35 0.4% from the three-point range, which is 284th. So they're not really that great at defending the three. But NC State is right there with them. It's pretty neck and neck. They let opponents shoot 34.9%, which is 266th. So there's not going to be a whole lot of three-point de defense being played, but there is going to be a lot of shots. Uh, Notre Dame has shot 107th most threes this season. Um, and they're averaging 37.5, which is 33rd. Like I said, NC State's 197th. And uh, look, both teams are going to let it fly. It's it's going to be about who can make shots and make shots early. That's what separated Virginia and NC State. Virginia wants to slow you down. NC State wants to speed you up. Kevin Keats has actually done a really great job against Virginia, but it's typically because we start out shooting hot. If we were to come out and not shoot as hot, now we have to slow the game down because Virginia has the tempo. They've got the uh, the all the tempo on their side. They got the momentum on their side. But because we were playing so well and shooting just lights out, it caused Virginia to to play out of their system. And you and Virginia's just not built to outscore anybody or 
keep up with scoring. That's why you see a lot of 50, even 40-point games. It was great. It was fun. But I don't want this to get to a lot of people's heads that, you know, this is the the turn of the corner. Uh, it was great, but it was also a crazy anomaly. And and look, let's go back. I mean, the record speaks for itself. NC State under Kevin Keats always has that one game where it's just like, you know, who put Steph Curry on the floor? You, you know, in, in his, uh, his first year, Al Freeman, seven for seven from three at Carolina. The next year when we beat Duke by, I think it was 22, uh, we shot lights out from the three. NC State is good for one game where they just shoot 50, almost 55% or, or more. And, and this, I think, was that game of this season. So it was great. It was a good, it gets a good defense, which makes it feel just that much better. But it was an anomaly. I don't, I don't want to just get caught up in the moment. So that's how I feel about it. I hear you, Co. Um, but I do want to push back a little bit because I, you know, I hear you with the sense that you're not going to – Shooting 55% from three every single game when you shoot 22 threes, not necessarily a repeatable formula to win all of your ACC games. But I will say in recent stretches, NC State has shown the ability to shoot the basketball. I think it, I think it's gotten to the point where it's unfair to say this is an atrocious shooting team. This is a team that started the season as a bad shooting team. But it has good shooters on the team. You think about this lineup. You think about Jericho Helms as a strong shooter at, for you know a four in the ACC. Terquavion Smith, a great three-point shooter. Uh, Thomas Allen, a great three-point shooter. Cam Cam Hayes has obviously had his struggles this year, but when he's on, we know he has the ability to make threes. Uh, you know, you think back to that Virginia Tech game. It seemed like all hope was kind of lost at halftime. NC State played. Like Matt mentioned, 15 minutes of bad basketball in that game. Ends up losing that game by three in a game that it could have won. Took a lead late in the second half. But just shot lights out in the second half. Uh, you think back to the Louisville game. NC State, I can't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but NC State, another game where NC State just went on the road, shot lights out. I would not be surprised to see more performances like that. With the disclaimer that there will also be games where NC State goes out and shoots... 25% from three. They're going to have to figure out ways to win games if the shots aren't going down from the perimeter. But it is important to note, you know, we think about NC State winning this Virginia game by just shooting lights out from three. Well, the team that actually shot a better percentage from three was Virginia. They shot 59%. They only took 17 attempts compared to NC State's 22. But NC State only outscored the Hoos by six points from the perimeter. And they won that game by 14 points, like you mentioned, Co. They outscored Virginia mm-hmm. in the in the paint, you know, almost two to one. But you think about Virginia's lineup; they don't really have an elite big that's going to give NC State problems. And that's where I think you look at the rest of the schedule. It's going to depend on the matchup. You look at the games that NC State struggled defensively in in early ACC play. Duke bad matchup. Duke's just too big for NC State. They. They don't have any answers, especially without Manny Bates. And now with the absence of Ernest Ross, which is the next point I want to get to, I want to ask you guys what you think about that absence, what NC State can do without him potentially. But early on in the season, it seemed like NC State got the teams with good bigs. And there's more to come. I'm, I'm not sure UNC is a great matchup for NC State because of their ability to score in the paint. Um, but, you know... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo-poo on the parade necessarily from my corner, from my corner, because uh, I think there are some things that are repeatable. I think NC State has built some confidence after 
you know, facing some adversity, the slow start in ACC play. Would it take three or four ACC games to get the first win on on the board? Um, but now you have an opportunity. If you can steal one in South Bend, NC State's going to start the first half of its ACC schedule at four and six. If you would ask me back in November, you t- you go ten games in the ACC play without Manny Bates, you, would you take four and six? Specifically with the way the schedule lines up, you take it in a heartbeat. So, I don't know. I I I. I we're going to learn a lot about this NC State team over these next four games because you're going to face some tough opponents on the road, and then you're also going to get some some challenging opponents at home. And if NC State can figure out a way to maybe go three and two in these next five games, then I think we got a we got an interesting season on our hands. But um, Co, any 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 rebuttal to uh, to my rebuttal? Hey, no, I got the numbers. Uh, so I am going to respectfully disagree with the great three-point shooting. I think really there's guys that can shoot threes and there's guys that can make threes. Uh, but I don't know if we have a quote-unquote sharpshooter outside of Terquavion who I really only trust shooting threes if it's a spot-up three. I don't like him off the dribble shooting three. He has not shown that ability this season. Cam Hayes has been terrible from the three. He's shooting 22% on the season. Um, in the last six games, they've shot against uh, Virginia Tech 37 and a half, which is Pretty good. You know, you'll take that. Um, but then it really starts to drop. It goes uh, 32% versus Clemson, 48 against Louisville, which is astounding. That's a great number. That was probably the most complete basketball, in my opinion, that we we played all season long. And then you shoot 26 against Duke, 29 against BT, and then obviously 50, right at 55% against Virginia. I don't love this team as a three-point shooting team, and I think that's kind of what – is the major problem because both Notre Dame and Carolina have guys that can score inside. Obviously Carolina's got Baycott. I mean, you know, we'll try our best to, to guard him, but Notre Dame, a Yale transfer in Paul Atkinson averaging 11 and six. You got Nate Lazowski who is averaging seven rebounds, which is really great, but he's also shooting 43.9% from the three. So he's a big that can score make a threat inside, but he can also shoot it from the deep. Carolina is surprisingly like a really good three-point shooting team. I th- I'm pretty sure they're, if not leading the ACC, I want to say they're in their top two or three. It, Like you said, it's all about matchups, and I just really hate these matchups. That's why I said back in the, uh, the, the second Virginia Tech game, I thought we were going to go on a four-game losing streak, and then that's when the start of February happens, and then, you know, the gates – open wide open for for nc state it's uh like you said matchup you hit the nail on the head there i, I love that you said that uh but as far as out shooting teams maybe once in every blue moon <laughs> matt carter i think i'm gonna go in between you two i think they're a streaky team streaky shooting team when they're hot they can be hot uh but when they're not hot they they they, they can stink it up Obviously, I think Virginia Tech is a good example of that when they couldn't hit the side of a barn. Or, you know, Brett Friedlander was sitting next to me that game, and he was joking about the 47-24 game a couple years ago, whatever it was now, before the game started. And, you know, sure enough, 10 minutes into the game, you start worrying, you know, oh, crap, this isn't going to be like this again, is it? It can't possibly be like this again. Uh, but then you go to the Virginia game. 
a historic, truly historic shooting performance against Tony Bennett. So I think that's a streaky shooting team. I, you know, the, the one thing I would say is that I go back to what I said. I'm curious what you guys think. I think if, if Marcel, if the last two games of Casey Marcel is what we're going to get, to go with Delion Shebron moving to the point and to Quavion Smith being a bucket getter, Cole Helms has looked a lot like a more reliable senior lately, and DeWine looks like a guy who can get you five points, six boards, and a block shot or two in the post. But more importantly, he's not an undersized, physically overwhelmed guy in the post either. He can physically hold his own down there. He's not going to get pushed around by most big. Um, it's just a development standpoint for, for him. I'm curious. You got it. I think that's actually a pretty decent starting five once you get past Duke in this year's ACC where – I think really a, a, a big question down the stretch is going to be foul issues. And can they, because I personally think going forward, Kevin Keats needs to go with these five and play them all 33 some minutes a game. Maybe get, um, uh, you know, whoever's doing better between Cam Hayes and Thomas Allen can give you seven, 10 minutes. I, I think Breon Pass probably could be thrown into that mix myself. Um, Seven ten minutes, and then hope Jalen Gibson gets to seven to ten minutes. Um, if we talked about Ernest Ross, that's where they really missed Ernest Ross because I don't think he has a huge impact on the game per se. You're really talking on a good night, four points, four boards, but it's positive energy and positive minutes off the bench. Um, that and another option is if Jalen Gibson's struggling. Okay, we can go with. Ernest Frost, he's a better matchup, or, you know, sometimes Ernest Frost might be a better matchup for the other team. Um, So that's where it kind of hurts you. You lose a lot of flexibility. You really have no choice but to play either DeWine or Gibson on the court. But I'd be curious what y'all think. I I think that starting five has the potential to be a pretty good starting five. It doesn't have a low post score, but sometimes, you know, the NC State team, the last team that made the Sweet 16 didn't have a low post score. It actually helped because it freed up Trevor Lacey and Ralston Turner and Cat Barber to take the shots. They were the ones that needed to be taking the shots. So, curious what y'all think of that starting five and this year's ACC. Keep in mind, this year's ACC stinks. Before I answer <laughs> your question, Matt, I'd first like to state that for the record, I did not call NC State a great shooting team. I, I, I was I was never part of my argument. What I was saying is I don't think we can call them an atrocious shooting team. I think I think I'm more in line with what Matt Carter was saying is that they're streaky, but they're streaky because there are guys capable on this team of shooting threes. And you mentioned him, Casey Morsell, Matt. That was a guy I mentioned when I was listing off some of the good shooters on this team. He's been kind of, you know, he's been injured, so we haven't seen him but for bits and pieces of the year. But quietly, he's shooting 38.9% from three, third best on this squad. Actually, second best on this squad. Terquavion Smith's 36.2% is third best, but he's taken 152 of them, so he obviously has the most three makes. I I don't mean to cut you off, but I I think I do remember watching this previous game, and they were talking about how Terquavion is uh, taking the most – shot attempts of any freshman in the nation i don't know if that's true or not but i I feel like i heard them say that if it's true or not it sounds right so we're gonna go with it 
Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. It and, looks right. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I right. mean, it, it, find me another freshman that's shooting more than that guy. And you know right. what? And, and, and find me another freshman that is shooting as much as him and you don't mind. You don't mind right. as much as shooting right. because if he keeps playing the way he is. Um, but, Matt, I'm with you that I think that if you can get the Casey Morsell that you've gotten these past two games, if he's finally getting past this, you know, injury bug of his that you do have a pretty solid starting five that I would put up there in the ACC. I'd, I'd consider it a, a, a better than average starting five in the ACC this season. Um, now, there's other things that go into the equation, such as depth, and that's where I think you know NC State could use a little bit more production from its bench. It really hasn't gotten much production beyond its its big three this year, but if you can get you know some solid contributions from Casey Morsell... And the, and the thing that would give me a little bit caution about that, specifically with this last Virginia game, you know this last game was personal for Morsell. He played great, but you know he wanted to prove something to Tony Bennett sitting there on the sideline. He got the start in the game. He wanted to show his old team that he's found a new system and it's working out. Bad. It's like it's like uh, seeing your ex out in public, you know, and you're with your current partner, and you want to you want to show them how well you're doing now that you've moved on let's see if casey morsell can bring that same energy to these next few games i'd like to think so i think he's a capable player he's got the physical assets but you know you look at this five darion sebron definitely it has his name in the hat for acc player of the year but no doubt about it is a first team all acc caliber player this year so far you got jericho helms a guy that you know could flirt with a you know third team all ACC type bid, if he can continue his production as of recent, you want to know who's the best three point shooter on this team percentage wise. It's Jericho Hellum shooting above forty one percent. Would like to see him shoot a little bit more if he's making so many. Um, and then you go down to Casey Morsell, solid you know solid starter. I think Dewana you could put him as a as an average to he's just a young big in this league. But physically, you're right, Matt. He there's not a matchup that he's incapable of handling it's just a learning curve for him so you know you look at this lineup i i like the starting five and i agree with you that it might be time for keats i know keats likes to run a deep bench i know he likes to have fresh bodies on the court and and he's got a particular style of forcing turnovers and speeding up the game and and using fresh bodies to do that but you gotta adjust and uh and i think he has adjusted recently and i think we should commend him for that because he has tried new things and those new things have been working at times and and we have to remind ourselves that you know this is also his the fifth year in the acc he's still a young coach in general he's learning these things as he goes as well and uh yeah i like the lineup and let's see what they can do in february matt co yeah, I uh, I do like the the starting five if Casey Marcel is playing how he's playing. Of course, I think the reason why is because if Marcel isn't playing well, then who do you put in there? Because Cam Hayes, I feel like has probably lost his starting spot for good, just because Sebron is playing so well. Turquavion has been the offensive backbone for this squad. And then you know you've got Thomas Allen, who, who's a he's a solid uh, you know senior and. He, he could score from here and there, but he's not consistent enough. Same thing with Hayes. He's not consistent enough. I feel like out of the Casey Morsell, Thomas Allen, and Cam Hayes, Morsell has probably the highest ceiling right now, and he's probably the most consistent out of the three. 
I am in full agreement with you, Matt Carter, about Breon Pass. He had all of our bench points. We only had five, but he did shoot mm-hmm. two for two. Uh, I just love Breon as a person, as a player. I feel like he really gives it his all when he's out there. I, I can't figure out why he's not getting more minutes. I would love to see him play a little bit more. Uh, but we, we're just not getting any consistency from Allen or Hayes. They Neither one of them even attempted a shot in the last game. Luckily, they didn't need to because we won by so much. But I, I just see more consistency out of Casey Morsell, which is kind of weird to say because he's been anything but consistent. But obviously, it's because of that injury bug. But look at how he played in the first two games before his ankle injury. Like you guys said, he, he looks pretty healthy now. I mean, this is definitely a game he wanted. He went out and got it. And as long as he's playing like that, then yes, I like the starting five. But I'm a huge bench guy, and you're you're only as good as your bench. And right now, if you know if Thomas Allen and Cam Hayes aren't going to make shots, then Breon, you're up. You know, you're up, dude. You got to step up and. And I think he can. I'm, I'm a huge Breon Pass fan, so I would like to see him get a little bit more minutes. Real Clark, quick, I want to add, too, about Casey Morsell. Even if his shot's not falling, he is a great on-the-ball defender. And yeah. that's an element of the game that maybe some of these other guys aren't bringing. Um, and it's nice to have on the court. And that key for him is staying out of foul trouble. It's aimed for Breon Pass. Breon's a pretty good ball uh, defender as well because he's he, tonight. I mean, he's fearless out there. Well, both are so athletic. Both are probably yeah. in con- competition for what most athletic player on the roster. I mean, those two are, are freak well, athletes. They'd be behind Darion Sebron and, and Ernest Ross for sure. Oh, I, I love me. I guess I'm biased for Breon. I don't know. I just yeah. think that kid is a <laughs> yeah, freak athlete. No, no question. I'd put Sebron most athletic, but boy, I, you know. Even Chibon's a pretty decent defender, and you got Dewana as a shot blocker. I, I think you could get some good defense on the court if you put Marcel out there. Um, hey, show me Sebron's D1 football scholarship offers, all right? And then and then we'll talk. <laughs> show, show me when Breon is mentioned in NBA draft talk. Hey, next year, all right, next year. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll write that down. Don't, no, don't call me on that, don't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, part of oh, go ahead, Matt. You are you finishing your point? No, I was just, no, I was just gonna wrap it up. I, 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 I do think that's something we got to look consider with Marcel. It's just that he's such a good defensive player, um, that it makes a difference out there. And that's another element to the starting five that I, I really like. The starting five, I agree with Matt Coe. I probably don't care about the bench as much as most people do because you know, I grew up with Coach K win a national title playing seven guys, basically. I mean, he, he never had a bench. In the heyday of Duke of the 90s, when they were going to Final Fours every year, it was basically seven guys. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's necessarily as important, but you do need a little bit of the bench, right? You do need something. You can't rely on five guys scoring for you. Every, really four, because you're not going to get a whole lot from Dewana. So it would be really, really helpful if – if, if Cam Hayes in particular, because I think he got the most upside of those three at this current stage. You know, Breon's still a freshman making the jump from, what, 2A Reedsville or 3A Reedsville public school basketball. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if, if Cam Hayes could get a game where he could make three three-pointers or something like that just to get back 
get the confidence back. That would be a big boost. Agree with all those points. Well, parting shots here to wrap it up. I want to mention the Wolfpack women coming off a big win over number three Louisville last week. Uh, epic comeback. Seemed that all hope was lost. Big, big deficit heading to the fourth quarter, and then the Wolfpack women just absolutely dominated the fourth quarter. As I think Matt Carter mentioned it on Twitter, as dominant as a fourth quarter as you'll see in women's college basketball. Um, my 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 takeaway from that. And it's kind of tough when you're dealing with a team that, you know, is looking to win its third straight ACC tournament title and has Final Four hopes. The regular season just kind of, you know, between these top five matchups, it all kind of blurs together until you get to the postseason. But what I learned from this game against Louisville, the difference this year of this team on NC State is Diamond Johnson. They truly have a player now that you put the ball in her hands and she can make magic happen. She can take over a game single-handedly. That's an element that NC State did not have last year. And, you know, you could make arguments that there are, player, there are players on the team last year that would step up in particular moments, and you'd think that when, all, when you needed a bucket, you go to Cunane. But the difference of having a player like Diamond Johnson is you don't have to put the entry pass into the post. They're going to double Cunane when, when that time comes. Cunane could be in foul trouble. She's in a vulnerable position at the center position defensively to pick up those fouls diamond johnson more times than not is going to not be in foul trouble late in the fourth quarter and you need a player from the perimeter that can create like that and i think that's the difference that's going to take this team to the final four any other any other thoughts on that game or the Wolfpack women before we cl- conclude this podcast from either of the mats i'll just say that uh you know they outscored them 31 to 4 before Louisville scored the last time. It wasn't just, I mean, anytime you outscore any team 31-4 in a 10-minute quarter, which, by the way, I would love if the men's team went to that as well, uh, or at least go to the NIT rule that they experimented when NC State was in the NIT where the fouls reset at the 10-minute mark. Um, it would speed up the flow of the game tremendously, but that's another day, another argument. Um Anytime you go on a 31 to 4 run in any basketball game, that's unbelievable. But to do it to the number three team in the country that was on a 15 game winning streak, uh, that's that that's that's just special. That's like that, that's not great. That's not elite. That's special. That's like all time special. That's that's national championship caliber special. And that's what the the takeaway is. They couldn't do that to Louisville over a seven, eight-minute stretch. Then they can beat anybody when they're playing their best. And so that's what you take away from it is, okay, this team can simply flat out beat anybody when they're playing their best. Now, they're going to have to do it without 5,000 Reynolds, you know, rowdies cheering them on and giving them that extra boost. But I think I read where Greensboro hosts regional this year so it's setting up real nice to have a nice home court advantage the problem problem with that is that south carolina is also competing for that greensboro regional darn it that's justin you ruined everything man i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry so you know i'm with you though i'm with you i'm excited about this team matt co do you have any thoughts on uh, the wolfpack women 
I think for me, it's it's really like at this point, you're just going to get in your own way. Uh, You know, they had a hangover effect against Virginia Tech, you know, only beat them by six, probably should have beat them by a lot more uh, if you're going to match up competition. You have a game coming up at Carolina and then right around the corner, 14, number 14, Georgia Tech. After that, you got a solid matchup with Duke. So like there's still plenty of important games to win, but at this point, I think they have to know in the locker room, like Matt Carter said, like they're special. They've been special now for two years straight. It's 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 time that we notice this women's basketball team as a staple in women's hoops because I don't think that, honestly, for the better part of, the, of Westmore's tenure, that they've gotten a whole lot of respect in the AP poll. I'm sure they don't care about the numbers. They just want to win. But uh, I, I just don't know what more this team needs to do to, to really catch the eye of the voters and whatnot. But I think at this point, you're only going to get in your way. So realize you're great and harness that. Uh, don't let it get to your head because you are a staple of women's college hoops. So, uh, Per ESPN's Charlie Cream in his latest women's bracketology as of this morning, NC State a one seed in their bracket. The four seed would be UConn. How about that for bracket luck? Let's hope that's not the case come March. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I'm Justin Williams. That's Matt Carter. That's Matt Coe. Parting reminders before we wrap up this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen, we're there. Plus, we're on YouTube, so please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. Follow us on our social medias uh, on Twitter. You can follow our main account at The Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will. And give Matt Coe a follow at underscore Matt Coe. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com on Facebook. And last reminder, head over to thewolfpacker.com and use that special deal right now. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network, which includes all of the great work that's going on at thewolfpacker.com. So if you call yourself an NC State fan, come on. You've listened to 50 minutes of NC State Wolfpack basketball talk. You're obviously an NC State fan. You need to be on thewolfpacker.com if you're not already. So go over there right now. Take advantage of that special deal. A dollar gets you a year's worth of premium subscription. That's going to do it for us. Again, I'm Justin Williams. That's Matt Carter. That's Matt Coe. Y'all have a great day, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.